this, Lord, come and overflow in us, Lord. Come and blow with your spirit into the caverns of our hearts, Lord. Lord, you come and speak, Lord. Spirit of God, come and minister to each one of us, Lord. like you to remain in a in a place of worship towards God and and to keep your hearts in this place where you keep on asking him to speak into your heart and overflow and blow through those places in your heart that well all the places of your heart and uh, as we listen to what God wants to say to us through Melanie as we take our places like I'd love would have loved for us to worship till one o'clock because there was really a sense of worship but I also want to give uh, time to Milani who's not going to be here next week <laughs> so next week we can worship till one o'clock hopefully I I won't waffle and we'll have time to worship some more today even because that was so sweet oh wow guys I I'm so Privileged, I said to the guys last night, it feels like every time I get to a congregation, it's almost, it's almost like a, a big moment for that congregation. Not because I came, but I get to witness a moment that God's been working on and towards for a long time. And I cannot tell you how excited I am for what God's doing in you and in Otsuren. And um, I love the fact that God's presence was so tangible now and that there's such an outpouring of His Spirit because we need to have our hearts softened to receive the Word of the Lord properly, don't we? Like it's very easy to go, oh, she's irritating, she laughs loud, or why is she wearing that? Or who is this woman? And is she supposed to have a mic on a Sunday? You know, like it's, there's all these questions. I, I mean, I have those same questions. Who is this woman? Why does this happen? Why am I standing in front of a group of people speaking? Could only be God. So, um, yeah, I, I just want to say I have memory flashbacks of this place. Um, I came to visit Dirk and Mandy. Maybe they can tell me how many years ago this was. And the decision was made. We're planting in Otsuren. But the person leading, I don't know if they were even picked yet or if they were on their way or something, but we had the first meeting in your lounge, in your braaikamer. Remember that? And I preached. I don't know what I preached. Do you remember what I preached? But, um, yeah, it was, what, 20 years ago? So, so, so it, it was probably bad, but it was exciting. And um, I, I remember something that happened that night. And, I, and even if this is a strange story for you, I feel I need to share it this morning. But I remember getting to them, and I was exhausted for some other reason. And um, I was like, yo, I really need a good night's sleep. And I felt, I think, spiritually tired. And I needed refreshing and whatever. And the next morning I woke up, and I was so refreshed. And the three girls that shared my room there in Dirk's mother's part of the house, they were exhausted because they said I laughed all night. There was something that happened that night where the Holy Spirit in my sleep refreshed me and gave me such joy that I woke up full. My poor roommates. That, that will teach you. Never put other poor other people in a room with me. So, so there was something of that we were birthed in the Spirit. Hey? 
birthed in joy. And I feel the Lord wants to restore that joy. And some of the youth guys prayed so in the spirit when they're saying, Lord, restore the joy, restore the first love. And the worship team was just so honored with the choice of songs too. There was just so much that God spoke through this morning already. So let's start again. For those of you that's been disillusioned, for those of you who has maybe grown old in your faith and like, oh, I've heard it, I've known, I've whatever, to just allow the hands of God on you in a new way. And um, what William shared, the music, uh, the musicians were still a little bit loud when he shared it, so I want to say it again. But disciples, I hear, it was said in the first century, some rabbis said it, that a true disciple is covered with the dust of his master. So as his master walks in Israel in the dusty roads and his sandals flips up dust, a true disciple is full of his master's dust because he follows so closely. Let it be said of Otsur and congregation that there's Jesus' dust everywhere because they follow closely. So it's a word, it's a call to endurance. It's um, If you want to title it this morning, do not push away the potter's hands. Outsword and Justine, do not push away the potter's hands. Such a luxury. You know, when I was a child, I don't know if you guys can remember what your definition of rich people were when you were a child, but for me, it was double ply toilet paper and double story homes, which is actually ridiculous because I realize now. If you grow up like in Oatsuren or Rosenbull or something, the, the Arve is usually much bigger than the city. So no one needs to really build double-story homes. There's space on the farms and stuff for bigger homes. But I thought people that live in double-story homes, that's big. What was the other thing? Uh, trampoline, is it? What? Swimming pools. Oh, sweet cupboards. So why did I just say that? Oh, because I still get that feeling of, oh, I'm among rich people if I get bottled water. Like, both in a bottle and that's got bubbles inside. It's a big luxury. So thank you. I do have tap on the sides in case this runs out. Um, yeah, so um, when the Lord said to me, do not push away the potter's hands, and that's the message she wants to give to me, I was reminded of being a student at Port Elizabeth Technicon many, 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 many years ago. And uh, there was this, I love being creative. And for those of you who know me, you would be able to imagine that this part of the pottery process, I hate it. And it was called wedging. And wedging is a laborious process. Now, sometimes when the Lord speaks English to me, I have to look it up in the dictionary. So I looked up laborious, and it says, am I pronouncing it right, you English people? Laborious. Excessive effort, dullness, and lack of spontaneity. That is what wedging is like. So what it is, is the clay is found. For you that played clay light as kids on the farms, you find the clay in a riverbed. Um, and then for the for clay that's going to be useful to make a vessel out of, you need to take out the major stuff, like the sticks and the stones and whatever. And then um, the potter gets this chunk of clay that's actually been cleansed quite a bit. And uh, then the potter has to work it. So wedging is a process where you press down on it and you 
push it against the table and you smack it down on the table and you work it again and you work it and you work it. And it's a, the aim of this process is to work out the tiny air bubbles in the clay. Um, and also it brings consistency. You work the moisture level throughout the clay so that there's a consistency in the clay. And I learned this the hard way. But if you neglect this excessive effort, dullness, laborious, laborious, lack of spontaneity process, if you leave that out in a rush to creativity and usefulness, then you can make a big mistake. And um, it was pretty obvious whose fault it was when the, our, our um, lecturer opened the kiln because she put like every, all the students' work in together. And where my vessel was, there was a, just a heap of pot shirts and everyone else is around it was damaged. And it's because I didn't wedge it properly because I got bored in the process. So it is a significant process. And it's no different with our lives. We are rescued. He takes us from the Maori clay. And he, re- he removes the big things pretty quickly. Hey, like It's almost like there's this massive grace when we're just born again to let go of stuff. And everyone that walks into us goes, oh, you look so different. What happened to you? And they're like, wow, you shine. you know. And, it's, and you think, like, I am so new. I'm so perfect. But then you soon realize, okay, there's, there's a lot of work still that needs to be done here. But the obvious stuff gets worked out quickly. And what I find is as we grow older in the Lord and we start losing our first love and our first devotion, It's not like the big stones and the big sticks necessarily manifest again. But we tolerate and we allow the little things that can cause big damage if we do not allow the Lord to work it out of us. Um, So let's look at scripture. Isaiah 64 verse 8 says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are a potter. We are all the work of your hands. I love, I got so excited because I thought, what is encouraging about this message, Lord, that you're going to smack us and throw us against the table and put pressure on us to work stuff out of us? It doesn't sound that great. But now, oh Lord, you are Father. It's not just like the potter wants to work us and make us into something useful. The potter is our Father. He puts his hands on us with such caring and tender way like if you think when you have to shape your children like I always used to remember my mom and dad saying this hurts us more than you and I just thought not a chance it hurts you more than it hurts me but now I think I understand a bit more that actually it's way more fun to just stay popular with your children and let them do whatever you like and, and ruin their lives that way but if we truly love our children then we shape them and God is a father who truly loves us. And he doesn't smack us against the table because sometimes he loses his temper and he feels like doing that. No, he is devoted to finish the work he started in us. And I, and I feel almost like for some of you, you've, you've in a way, you've somehow pushed the potter's hand away without realizing. And maybe he'll show you that this morning so that you can just reinvite him and say, Lord, work me, work on me. Because, let's see why. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God 
prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, we're so funny, you know, like as, as, as Protestants, as people who believe that we're saved by grace and grace alone. You know, when someone says it works, we can go, <laughs> you know, like, and um, in the past there were reformers that thought, no, maybe James shouldn't be in the Bible because he speaks about faith being dead without works. And I, I want to say to you, it's not bad news. It is good news that we were saved, not just so that we can make it into heaven. Like Darby said, it's not, then we might as well have gone home immediately. But that we have good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. And we're his workmanship. So if we let his hands on us, if we don't skip a day of allowing the dealings of God in the, the most secret places in our hearts, then we can walk into the good works that he has for us. And it's so much fun to be God's co-workers. It is such a wonderful privilege. I don't think any of us want to just be saved and then, okay, let's just see if we can. Someone said last night, Mandy said, um, you know, she's thinking, if only I can finish the race. And now I'm like, no, we've got to run to win. We're going to run to win. If you thought maybe, oh, I'll just finish this race. No, no, no. Let's run to win. Let's run to take hold of everything that Christ Jesus has taken hold of us for. Let's um, walk in every single thing he has for us because we allowed him to work us. And we remind ourselves. I, I remember there were times where I got gone through stage where I'm like, God, it feels like you're cruel, but I know you're not. All of us go through stages. We, we get smacked against the table. We're thinking, oh, he's cruel. No, he's, he's not. He's our father. He's our father. The potter is our father. And he wants to save us from future destruction. Not just our own destruction, but those around us. And he doesn't want us to just be vessels for ordinary use. He wants us to be vessels for special use. So 2 Timothy 2 verse 20. says, in a large house, a large house contains not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wooden clay. Some for honorable oh that's a her <laughs> I look like a nun. Okay. For honorable purposes and some for ordinary use. Those who have cleansed themselves from the latter, it goes on to say. So in two Timothy um, before verse twenty it speaks about wilderness and all those things. And then he speaks about vessels. And he's saying, if you cleanse yourself from all these things, you can be a vessel for special use. It's not just those of us that ended up like here with a mic in the hand. It's not just the guys in leadership in the church. It's, it's every single one of us can be vessels for special use if only we allow the dealings of God in us. And um, I, I want to warn you also as leaders and as older Christians that something I've picked up in myself and as I work with leaders is that we become less and less concerned with God changing our hearts and we become more and more concerned about saying and doing the right thing. It's much easier to just let God give you a new heart and change your heart and work your heart because then what comes out of you will be good fruit. If you let's make the effort to be full of the Holy Spirit and to abide in Jesus and to be covered with his dust, and then we are more likely to say what he would have said and to do what he would have done. But it's almost like Pharisees. We become more concerned about the outer and what people think of us. And 
Because that's part of losing your first love, is you start fearing man more than God. You start wanting to please man more than you, you want to please God. Your first thought is no longer, what would God think about this? Or what will he say on judgment day? But just, do I still look okay to other people? You know, is my Christianity still at a kind of okay level? And I think that is part of how we go from hot for the Lord to lukewarm, is becoming more concerned with looking like great vessels. And okay, okay, the, the part I put in that keel didn't look great anyway. But sometimes it can really look good and it can end up exploding when the testing comes. So it's so important that we allow the Lord to do in us what he wants to do in us. And when his hands are on us, <laughs> he doesn't help going, but, 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 that one, they need some working. And he goes, no, 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 my hands are on you now. My hands are on you. Let's not look around at the other pieces of clay. Let's not compare how many bubbles they might have. Let's work on you. So there's the little things, things like respect for his bride, the way we speak about others. Um, if we honor her and protect her with, our, with the revelation of how he looks at her, his imperfect, wrinkly, spotty bride that has so much work still, to do in preparation of the wedding feast but he looks on her with love and expectation of things getting better each day of a sanctification process that will continue so let's look at one another with Jesus's eyes and then of course speak Jesus's words over one another how I, I realized with having pregnant friends over the years I would be shocked, but like godly people, the way they speak life, and often ungodly people or Christians that's, that, that hasn't allowed that bubble to be worked up, that speak negative, like really negative, you know? Like sometimes you think when you meet prosperity guys or word of faith guys, you're thinking, oh no, like it's always just like speak faith, speak faith. But then I, I realized how terrible it is when we start speaking unbelief. How terrible it is when we start speaking death. And that's one of the things I think the Lord wants to work out of you as a congregation. Is what is in your hearts towards one another. Because that will come out um, of your mouths. And it was so beautiful for me on, on Friday night. Um, the youth, because we spoke a lot about how we use our words. And, and then there were groups of friends towards the end. Almost covenanting with one another. Saying... In our friendship group, we won't speak disrespectfully of teachers or of our parents. We will speak life. We won't, um, we won't gossip about other people. We won't uh, speak, speak down on people who other people are speaking down on. We will lift up. And even those who bully others will speak life to them and laugh about them. And I could see these commitments in groups of friends. And I was like, Lord... May they carry that into their homes. May their parents and their parents' friends make, like the way Job made a covenant with his eyes, not to look at a woman in the wrong way, that we will make covenants with our friends, that we will not gossip and slander, that we will speak life. Because as little a thing, or even things like complaining, I'm like, oh, I, I used to be under the rule of rejection. So I was very, very... Um, like super sensitive, super easily angered, super easily hurt. And until I saw something in the Bible and I realized it's a sin. Oh, my hat. And then like 
the Bible is so harsh. And then next thing is like, do everything without arguing and complaining. And I'm like, oh, complaining and arguing. And like, back chatting, it's a sin. Like, I mean, it, your parents going, what? You only realize that now you're all trying to get your kids not to back chat and not to complain. But really, like, it's these little things that makes a difference between us being destroyed and hurting others or us being vessels for his glory. So, um, so why, why does these bubbles, um, why does it cause so much distraction? So it's, it's an air bubble and when it goes into the kiln, the heat, so a kiln, a medium kiln is like 1,200 degrees Celsius. Uh, have you ever opened an oven that's just on 180 Celsius? Oh my goodness, that is hot. And in that situation, the, the bubbles expand. So if they are on the surface, they do, they do very little damage. It's more like just a little imperfection, like a acne scar kind of thing on the clay. But if it's deep in the clay, that's where it causes the most damage. So, of course, we all know that Jesus will be making us more like him until the day he fetches us. But as far as it depends on us, let's allow him to work us and let's get comfortable with bringing things into the light. You know, it's embarrassing. It is hard. It is not fantastic to say, oh, I just, I ate this salt the other day or I said this and I shouldn't have. And there's something so like, it's hard. It's hard. It goes against our flesh. It goes, we would love to just be perfect. But now, we can't, we, we're imperfect, and now we have to tell other people how imperfect we are. And it's hard, but when we walk in the light, as He is in the light, then He cleanses us and He empowers us to change. And then when that little thing pops on your outside, it's a little scar. But if it popped where you hid it, it brings much destruction. And it's, it's so good. And I want to ask you, is there people, godly, encouraging people, who knows what goes on in your heart, in your head, in your home, in your business dealings? Is there people in your life that knows? So look for, look for um, people who, where you've considered the outcome of their lives and you see the example that they're people that always allow the dealings of the Lord. They're people that confess their sin. They're people that ask for help. They're people that encourage and ask them to help. Ask them to co-work with God as God works you. Don't give Satan something to work with. Like, I, I, I just find, uh, so this is, this is actually, I learned from a, I think she was 11 at the time. So Andrew Seeley, at least 412, and Josh Jean, um, his, his daughter, Enya, I overheard her explaining to some friends about sin, how sin works. And it was the most profound thing I've ever heard. <laughs> cupcakes. You can't really relate to cupcakes. So she said to them, this is what it's like. So if you know, know Enya, Enya speaks like double. It's like 1.5 on your WhatsApp message listening. And she goes, it's like your mommy has baked you cupcakes. And then you had a cupcake. And then you say, mommy, mommy, can I have another cupcake? And your mom said, no, you can't have another cupcake now. And then your mom's not looking. And then you take another cupcake. And then you feel so bad. And then, and then 
Yeah. So she she explains it like this: It's like God says no. We do that thing, and then instead of running to God and saying, "I'm so sorry," we ashamed. So the devil goes, "Have the cupcake." Have the cupcake. She was telling them this. Have the cupcake. And then you go, okay, I'll have the cupcake. And then the devil goes, shame on you. You're such a baddie. You took the cupcake. You so, like, and stops us from running to the Lord. So that is how sin works. He always wants to trip us up and then we fall for it. Then he keeps us there in shame and condemnation and self pity and all kinds of other sticky stuff. Instead of us going, oh, Lord, sorry. And to one another, I, I've done that thing. You know, I took the cupcake, I ate it. And then receiving forgiveness and being washed from our guilt and shame in that moment. Because otherwise, it can become this big stronghold that is just fed and fed and fed. And before we know it, it's, 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 it's yeah. So what is interesting is about that it makes no difference how we build it makes no difference how well our clay is wedged until the storm comes, until the heat is up. Have you noticed the, the thing about, like, um, don't know, build your house on the rock, don't build it on the sand? You can have a beautiful house on the sand, and it could work so well. You can have a beautiful church on the sand, but when the storm comes, and, and I mean, all of you have lived long enough to have had storms, and I want to say to you, the storms are going to get worse. <laughs> How's that for good news this morning? That wickedness will increase. There will be an up in the resistance from the spirit realm. There will be an increase in wilderness. There will be more pressure on your children to conform to the world than there's ever been on us. There will be maybe even official organized persecution worldwide, most probably. So... Let's build well. Let's allow the Lord to wedge us so that when the heat is up, we will become useful vessels, vessels for special use, opposed to blowing up and damaging everyone around us. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I saw this in my notes and I thought, how could I have written that? How we build doesn't matter. Okay, it doesn't matter until the storm comes. And the storm's going to come, so it matters how we build. So do you want that? Do you want to come through the fires of life? Well, I, I, um, I wish I can say, then we wedge, then he makes a vessel, then he puts it in the oven, and then we're a vessel for special use. But for those of you that's done pottery, now there's lots of other things that's as testing as the kiln, if not more testing. I think, I think I remember you guys sharing with me a few months back, but you were going through this trial. And that's the one where the vessel is shelved. So it's been the first bake and what we call bisque and the vessel's on the shelf. It's looking great. It's feeling so ready. Man, so ready. It's like, it's so obvious. It's a brown pot. Or it's a cookie jar. Like it's so obvious that it's ready to be used in a special way that it was created for. And then it's put on the shelf. And it's not just put on the shelf for a little bit. Sometimes it's there for very long. And what we would call in ceramics, it's, it needs to stay there until it's bone dry. Bone dry. That sounds, that is just, doesn't sound like fun if you're the vessel. And then 
Yes, there's some glazing and there's some decorating and all kinds of stuff, but then it goes back into the oven. There is just, and, and these things happen continuously in our lives. We, we can get to a place where we feel, yes, I'm really living in what the Lord's prepared me for and what He shaped me for, and the next thing something turns and you feel shelved. And there's, you know, the one reason why things get shelved is because it needs to get dry. And I think there's something of a picture of that we need to get so desperate for the Lord that, that in that place, you know, like there's nothing in me. Like if you didn't reach the end of yourself in the kiln, you reach the end of yourself on the shelf. <laughs> of, of yourself on the shelf. Wow. That's a cool way. Um, and another reason that I found so precious why vessels get shelved because it's very expensive to put it into the kiln so you want to wait till you have enough to fill a kiln so sometimes we shelved and it's not even because we're not ready but because the lord is busy building team he's busy putting people together he is you know like yes the holy spirit lives within us my body is a temple of the holy spirit but as much and even more he is building us together into a dwelling where you can live by spirit so if you are looking for your usefulness in any other context than a local church where you build it with to other people, where other people's journeys affect you, where you're not just in a place of, oh, I want to finish my race well, but where you're like on the way, I want to cheer as many people on as I can. I want to go there together. Um, we see in Revelation, the Lord speaks, Jesus speaks to a church and the saints in the church and the leaders in the church. And there's something about that we want to win too. You know what I'm saying? We want to see whichever congregation God's added to, whichever church is added to, you want together to make it through the fire, together make it into usefulness, together be a place where when you gather on a Sunday, God is like, oh, I want to be there. I'm not missing that one because I love it when brothers dwell together in unity. Oh, I love it when they allow my hand on them. I allowed when they allow me to shape them into vessels for, for good use. So if you if you feel shelved, there's three tips for you that I've got here. But I'm sure if you read the Bible you'll find many more good tips. <laughs> so the first one is when you feel left out or you feel sure Lord uh, disillusioned, like this is not the vision I thought at this point in my life, you know, it's a little bit like a midlife crisis. I thought I would be further than you. You know, I've been saved for two years now, really, Lord. Like, <laughs> I always laugh because I met the Lord when I was four. So when people start asking, how long you've been saved? And I'm like, oh, they're going to know how old I am. I'm like, I've been saved 46 years. So now, you know. Anyway, so he, um, the, the, in that place, remember his faithfulness. I remember I struggled the one time and I was a little bit like this maid and uh, a guy in our church Malcolm McNeil he said to me but Milani God's always been good to you and there's such a powerful thing like even if you see the Israelites they were very aware that they haven't taken the land um, fully the way God wanted them to that they still had much to overcome but every time God would say remember 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 when you were lost in your sin even if that sin was self-righteousness. Remember how he drew you? Remember how he made you your own? Remember how he dragged you through the waters of baptism, even though you were arguing against it doctrinally at the time? 
<laughs> the Wednesday night uh, pastor said, if you haven't been baptized as a believer, you have to repent. And I'm like, I've been baptized. And I'm like, I didn't say to him, but that's what I was sorting. Guess where I was on that Friday night in May 1990 in, at Umut Beach in Port Elizabeth, and I was in the water. So, <laughs> oh man, I get your door. Oh, I remember that day. Yes, June in Blauberg. I still remember she put on this green jersey, after, like green shirt on afterwards. Like, <laughs> oh. And my busy was still red, though. Yeah, I had a Suzuki van. Um, I thought 800 cc is quite a powerful engine. It got me where I wanted to. And I thought the brakes were actually working, even though you have to slow down before you get to the stop. But um, anyway, memories. Sorry, ADD, distracting myself. Uh, okay, so you want to remember his faithfulness. And then also, you want to be faithful with the little things. So, to serve even if you thought your call would be different to this. Even you thought you thought you're going to be a prophet to the nations and now you're like, I don't want to mention because nothing is inferior in the kingdom, but like you're doing something that you really didn't sign up for. Serve in the house of, of God. Serve in the house of where he placed you. Be faithful. You can feel like, but I was I was called to greatness, you know? The greater the call, the greater the cost. And who knows what you'll still what it will still cost you to serve Jesus. But he's worth it. He's worth it. So in the unseen place, be faithful. As you choose your entertainment, as you choose what you do with your time, your home life, your health, all those things, be faithful. And then, number three is work your endurance muscle. Faith over feelings. I remember in Sunday school, there was, I don't know, it was a booklet or it was a camp thing or something, but it was a train, a locomotive. Have you guys ever seen that? Uh, any of you are half a century old? Um, the uh, um, a locomotive and then the, what's the good thing that you sleep? The locomotive and the And the locomotive was faith. And the troker was feelings. And, uh, you know, you think when you watch teenagers going through their ups and downs and whatever, but actually as sometimes we, we are as bad as we were when we were like 16. So we have to, we have to work our endurance muscles. We have to choose faith over feelings all the time. If Jesus didn't choose obedience and faith over feelings, oh, the cross, what would have happened? Where would we be? <laughs> so work your endurance muscles um, and make sure that that Jesus is on the throne in your life by, by your faith being in him and you and don't stop believing his word. Don't stop believing his word. Don't stop what he's spoken over you. Fight the good fight of faith. So that is that is the message from me. But I, I think it's almost like the service have just started. Because I don't know how the elders want to do this. But we need time with Jesus after a message like that. <laughs> Some of us need to invite the potter to put his hands on us. 
again. Some of us need to walk over to a brother and go, I'm sorry. It's an ugly um, acne scar, but at least it's not going to blow up in the kiln <laughs> when the trouble comes. Some of us need to go, I, you tell me, but I think we've built badly with our children. And the storms are coming and we want to build on the rock. Some of you maybe have pursued your usefulness in my, me, myself, in my ministry, and maybe my name will be great, or maybe I can have an internet presence. I've met such interesting people. I met an American lady the other day, and they've got an internet church. This was before, this was before COVID. But their church was an internet church. They never met in person. And I, I was just like, oh, she's giving a life to virtual reality. Like, that is just so weird. But... We can do that sometimes. There is no reality to Christianity outside local church. Welcome to the family of misfits. Welcome to imperfection. Welcome to walking, falling, getting up again, saying sorry again. Welcome to having to honor leaders that actually is in your life, not just on a screen. Or just an author of a book, you know. Welcome to loving your wife. As Christ loved the church and gave her up for him, gave himself up for him. Welcome to um, stewarding everything from your money to your opportunities to your workplace for him. That is real Christianity. And it gets lived out in the local church, through the local church. And you get sent out from here if your call is wider than the local church. And, and some of you, I do want to say, some of you don't realize, but in a way, you at a training camp. Because some of you, through, um, through uh, maybe job opportunities, maybe going to study in another city or whatever, you are busy being worked here by the Lord so that you can be a special vessel for his glory somewhere else. I know not all of you are going to stay in Oatsroom forever, especially some of the young people. You're going to go at least away to go study or whatever, but that you will give yourself fully every minute that you're here, that in your heart you'll be here, and when you're sent out, you'll be a shining light because you allowed the Lord to turn you into vessels for special use. But it doesn't help to despise where God's put us. It doesn't help um, to moan on the shelf. It doesn't help when we push the potter's um, hand away because destruction will come when the heat comes on and when the storm comes. But on the positive side, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he's prepared in advance for us to walk in. Imagine a church where every single one of you allow the Lord to shape you as he wants and allow you to use you as he wants and all of you together working into every good work that is prepared in advance for you. Oh my hat, what a force. It will be a revolution. <laughs> wow. Um some keyboard for us. Malani said it's not over. <laughs> so I want to take one step back before we go there um, for, the, for, for us and say, Malani started with saying that 
the process of making clay is God actually takes the us. There's a, there's a scripture that says we clay that miry clay. I don't know what miry means. Unuseful. <laughs> yeah. What is miry clay? Probably messy. Yeah. Dirty miry clay. Huh? You've heard that word. We are miry clay, and God takes us out of the riverbank. Messy clay. And uh, and this morning, I want to say maybe you feel like I am still miry clay. And I think the first thing is if if you haven't given your heart to the Lord, if you if you haven't come to a point once in your life where you say, "Lord, pick me." So the great news for me, for us, is that the clay sits there in the river bank and they have no choice. <laughs> but we actually have choice. We can actually pick me, Potter. I want to not be stay Mari clay. So this morning, I want to first give us all the opportunity to say, God, pick me. I feel I'm still Mari clay. I feel that I still need to be taken out of the bank and give my heart, invite God, and say, God, pick me. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes to make it easier. So if that's you, if you want to say, God, pick me, take me out of the river bank. And if you do that, you say, God, Come and work on me. God, I want to be clay in your hand. You decide what happens to me next, Lord. You decide what gets removed. You decide what stays. You decide what I become. If that's you, I'd like you to put your hand up. Just raise your hand so I can see it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I've seen those hands. Yes, Lord. I want us all to pray together when we pray this. In the sense, it might be your first time that you say, God, pick me. It might all be also be, because I know, (laughs) it might also be God. There's so much of me still being Mary Clay that God, pick me, pick me, work on me, Lord. Yes, Father Lord, God, we we want to submit our lives to you again and afresh today, Lord. Pick me, Lord. Lord, come and take me out of the riverbank and and work on me, Lord. Father, I want to submit my life to your work, to your hand this morning. Lord, you come and remove what needs to be removed. Cleanse me, wash me, work me, Lord. And purpose me, Lord. Lord, I want to be purposed for your will and according to your will. You be the Lord of my life. You, 
Lord, can determine my destiny and my purpose. If it was your first time ever, I would like you to come and talk to me afterwards. Please come and just come and chat to me because I'd like to work this through with you. And if it wasn't your first time, because I don't have a perfect memory, I'd like you to, if you have my number, because you should then, (laughs) please WhatsApp me so that we can look at this together again. Because God wants to work in our lives. He doesn't just want to say, you know that this is not the process. This is the commitment to the process of God. And then there's the next group of us this morning. So you have been taken out of the clay back. You've been worked on. And, uh, but you might not even know what you are. Like, what am I? Am I a pot? Am I a pan? Am I a vase? Do you know that each and every one of us, as we sit here in God's house, has a purpose? There's not one of us that's not a vessel in His house. He wants to use each one and every one of us. We have a special purpose in His kingdom. And if you sit sit here and you say, I don't know what that is yet, then we need to find that together. What are the prophetic words over your life? What is it that God has spoken over your life? Maybe you have to find your parents and ask them. What was said over me when I was little? Like me, you could be over a century old and a uh, century, half a century. <laughs> I'm going towards a century, okay? Half century. <laughs> but like me, you could be over a half a century old. Like, you know, and then go, does it matter what somebody said when I was born? Profoundly so. God speaks things over our lives and tells our parents things. Find them. Ask them. And then tell me, tell your community leader, tell your friends, tell fellow Christians. Like, this is what God purposed me for. Maybe you find that you don't know. Well, you know what? Let's find that together. Then you might be sitting on the shelf. So, you shaped. So, here's, here's a part, you know, that imagery later on and when God uses images, He uses it for us so that we can understand the process. So, in the natural, the thing gets made, taken out of the miry clay, it gets cleaned, it gets made into a shape, it gets baked the first time, then it sits on the shelf, it gets bone dry, and then it gets glazed and picture painted and stuff and and then it's the vessel right you know that that's not going to happen with us 
that's when we, in a sense, one day when you die and you go and be with the Lord forever, then you glazed and baked and done. Right? Maybe. Maybe God's still going to work on us. <laughs> but in a sense, this is a repeating process over all our lives. So I'm leading this congregation. Does it mean I've made it? No. I have sinned. God's still working on me. He's still, he's still wedging me. Unendingly. Still getting those bubbles out of me so I won't pop. He's also painting me beautifully and using me in a sense. So, each and every one of us is usable already. So, in a sense, when you give your heart to the Lord the first day, you run out and tell all your friends, it's use. It's God using you. But maybe you're sitting on the shelf and you feeling like, I've been here forever. Don't give up. Don't decide. I think the worst thing is, what if you decide, I'm going to be, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I was purposed to do. I'm going to be a vase. I'm going to put water in myself and I'm going to put flowers in me. Ruined. Because it's not glazed. It's not ready. Ooh, you heard that. <laughs> so, yes, you might spoil the purpose for which you were made. Um, and again, there's redemption and God will fix you, which you can't do with a vessel. You'll have to throw it away. But for me, there's a sense there for each one of us. So how do we do this? How do I allow you to, to do it? It's practically. Because what Maloney said, what, okay, the, the things that, that rang in my, that I heard was, some of you now need to actually repent and say, God, I'm sorry, in prayer. And this is what I've learned on, on praying. It doesn't help that I pray. Actually, you need to say that. So, what can you repent of? Well, God, I didn't allow you to work on me. I just don't, didn't like it. Oh, God, uh, I've jumped ahead. I don't want to be part of the house. I want to go do the vessel thing outside on my own. Or... Um, I've been pointing to all the other vessels that are wrong, ignoring the things that are in my life. And I've injured others. I've exploded a couple of times. Look at the marks of the people around us. You know, I've done that. I've exploded spectacularly and injured people close to me. So... And then we need to repent to others. Yeah. I repented to my wife this week for getting some wrong. Can't remember what it was. Sorry. <laughs> Removed. <laughs> do we do that? And 
as you look around now, just in Oetzwaren, can you see some people that you need to say, I'm sorry I exploded close to you. It was me. It wasn't you. Or are there some people in Oetzwaren, guys, that are in here but not here, used to be here amongst us, but they're not here anymore? Or maybe just went to school with us. But you've exploded and you've hurt them. You should repent. You should, and that's part of the process is actually that awkward thing of going to somebody and saying, I know I hurt you with what I said. I'm sorry. We're going we're gonna to do one song in worship, maybe two. <laughs> and if you feel you need to just stay in your seat and pray, do that first. If you feel there's somebody you need to walk to and speak to, speak to them. Do that. Feel free. And if you need prayer, uh, come to me, come to Bernard. Once Bernard is finished with what Bernard wants to do. <laughs> and me <laughs> and let's let's give God some time now to actually work us now like allow God to work in you now and wouldn't it be it's going to be glorious one day guys we're going to we're going to see each other in eternity and go like this day was the day God changed something in me that made it possible for me to go through his fire. That's going to be glorious. I, I even feel I just want to mention this. Even if you've said something to someone else and that person that you spoke of is here. I said something last week to Monet, one of our friends, about another person that is probably the dearest person to me other than my own household. And I didn't say anything ugly. It really wasn't ugly. But, it, but I, in my heart, there was like a sting when I said it. And I felt so remorseful before God. I couldn't get that moment out of me. And I felt so shameful. And she came to visit me from the Muscle Bay congregation yesterday, Saturday and Friday. Friday and Saturday she was here. And I said to her, Fimka, I've got to speak to you. I said something about you. I made a joke. But after I said it, I felt like I tainted something that was holy to God. And I want to ask your forgiveness that I even said something to someone else as a joke regarding to you. But it was, it's so not true. And she said, but it's not a bad thing you even said. It's not like, a, like I said an ugly thing even. It could be a very positive thing. I said to her, but somehow I felt like I didn't love you in that moment and I want to ask your forgiveness. And I was so scared to tell her what I've done. I was so shameful and I was so scared of what it, like I was just like, and as after I said it and I opened my eyes because I closed my eyes when I spoke and I opened my eyes and I looked at her, I just felt even more loved. Don't be scared to go to people and say, you know what, I've thought some stuff about you. I've said to someone else some stuff about you. Even if I don't even tell you what it was, I wasn't always honorable behind your back. 
It's not just to your face that I've blown up. It's behind your back that I've blown up. I want to ask your forgiveness. This is such a holy moment in the Lord. And I really believe that God woke us up this morning saying, This, Josh Jen Otsuren, this is a new day. He won't allow us to stay the way we are. Please come. Please make right. This is really a holy moment before God.